this week on the adaptation game. Playsets and accessories sold separately. Batteries not included. Game, the show where a couple of knuckleheads decide to adapt various media properties into other forms. I am your host, Mr. Matthew Schott, and with me as always is my intrepid co-host, Mr. Chris Sokawa. Why, hello there. I just want to give myself a pat on the back for having such consistent vocal tonality with my introductions of us both. I feel like it sounds the same every week. And yeah. I don't know if you, the listener, are impressed, but I am impressed with me and It's, it's my not own easy abilities. to do, folks. It's really not easy to do. And, uh, and, and Matthew is a consummate professional. I, I will give you a little uh, look behind the, uh, the old boards there. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, this is accurate. I am consummate in my uh, professionalism uh so anybody looking to hire me this will serve as my demo reel uh and to this week on the adaptation game we are oh i was almost like slipping into that same vocal cadence there <laughs> this week on the adaptation <laughs> game we are tackling uh a medium which we have not tackled yet before of uh children's play sets and toys We've decided to, uh, based on suggestion by our own mastermind, uh, the X-Men villain mastermind, Chris Okawa, mm-hmm. we have decided Santa. to we have decided <laughs> to adapt art house films into children's play sets and toys. Now it's not really we didn't really give each other any sort of parameters or distinct uh, uh, specifications for what isn't isn't a toy and what isn't isn't an art house film. This is going to be one of those yeah. real open ended episodes where it's not really clear <laughs> what exactly we're both going to be doing. But I think that's going to make it all the more exciting. This is going to be a classic uh, books to breakfast cereal situation where it's just chaos. Chris, I'm not really sure what to do here for the history, so I'm just going to ask you: What is your favorite art house film? And what is your favorite childhood toy? I'll start with favorite childhood toy. I really like the color changing ones, especially for like the bath. Um, my sister had <laughs> so like some bath bombs. Yeah, yeah, before before they were cool. Um, they were like these like little Polly Pocket style uh, mermaids that my sister had that you could style their hair and whatnot, and their tails would change color in the water. They didn't really make a lot of those, to my understanding. Um, uh, for boys, my second favorite um, outside of the color changing realm and definitely had a lot of these were the Bionicles. I loved building a Bionicle. Oh, yes. And I would pose them. This is right during the the heyday of Lord of the Rings. So me and my friends would make stop motion uh, Lord of the Rings um, short films using Bionicles and pose them in Lord, famous Lord of the Rings scenes on our dressers. Uh, all of All of that good stuff. So I guess put me down for Bionicle. Uh, favorite art house film. Now, before we get to your favorite art house film, I think we need a tangent here for a second and talk about Bionicles. Because yeah. the thing I want to say about Bionicles uh, is that 
I I also was a Bionicle fan. I don't know that I would say that they were like my favorite toy, but uh, I appreciate that they were overly indulgent with lore and world yes. building with Bionicles to yes. the point where I believe there's like multiple films. There's like yeah. multiple and there was, film films. I don't know if it films. was a TV show or something, but there was, there's, it's kind of like Ninjago. Ninjago, Bionicle walks so Ninjago could run. Ninjago has its own show on Disney XD, I think. A movie as well. There was a movie with uh, um, James Franco's brother, Dave. Little little Franco. Um, Yeah. Uh, So I think Bionicle and Barbie, of course, you got to tip the hat to Barbie, really paved the way for, oh, these toys have a soul. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, irrespective of Disney's Toy Story. I mean, you just have to, these toys have a soul. Begins with Bionicle and Barbie. I mean, I feel like it goes back to like stuff like He-Man, you know, like He-Man oh, was a oh shit, yeah. He-Man was a revolutionary toy in that they were like, this isn't going to be just a toy. This is going to be a multimedia franchise. And yeah, we're going to create a television series for the sole purpose of giving these toys a backstory and a world. And then like Transformers, GI Joe, you know, kind of like one upped them on that. Uh, Transformers re- was really smart about it because they were like, let's just buy a bunch of. Japanese toys that already exist so that we don't even have to like make new toys and then we'll just write a new story for these already existing toys from different toy lines. Uh, wow. So that's great. That was a good way to go about it. You and something um, new every day. You know, I, if I'm, if I'm going to be playing with a toy, I want a loads of lore. I want to be overwhelmed with, with the lore of my toys so that I can really, uh, you know, play. Um, so let's, let's talk art house film. Then what was your favorite art house film? I'm actually just, so, uh, we are big fans of like neon and, and definitely a 24, but I mean, who isn't the a 24 has been the hottest production company in the game, I believe for the last five years, in my opinion. Um, so we don't miss a single a 24. We still haven't seen first cow, which I'm now realizing I wanted to adapt into a toy. But it, we'll put that in the runners up at the end. And um, we can throw that. We can throw that in. You know what? There's. There, it's not too late to pitch. We're not in the pitch zone yet. You can okay. come up with a first cow toy. Oh, I have it in my mind. So I'll pitch it as a th- back pocket third. Um, oh, amazing. I mean, I'm gonna write that down. You hear the the pen click there. This is good. And podcasting. I don't even. I don't even know what uh, first cow is. So this is. Uh, this is gonna be news for me. Yeah, well, I haven't seen it, but I, I have a good idea of what it's about, and so that's enough to make a toy. As, as fans, people are fans of my under-researched uh, Avatar adaptations or um, my my uh, my versus adaptations. I like to just sort of sometimes go in blind and just start swinging around. Um, so uh, I really like A Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's probably my favorite art house film that came out recently, like indie uh, challenges its viewership, uh, has, you know, controversial response, does well it can. That's, those are like sort of boxes to check for me for what I would consider an art house film. Um, and a portrait of the lady on fire was really, um, just right down main street in that regard. I, I think it's just so fabulous. And that's actually one of my toys I'm adapting today. Um, so I'm very excited for that. Uh, amazing. I've never seen a portrait of a lady on fire, um, but I do see it pop up on my Netflix homepage often. And I've always thought that like, you know, who is this woman? 
why is she on fire and who's painting this portrait? So yeah. uh, I've always been in- intrigued by it. So I'm excited for your toys to give me the opportunity to sell me on this movie. Oh, fantastic. Um, and I guess we should probably def- define to a certain extent what what is an art house film. And I guess yeah. we would just classify that as something that's not necessarily released by one of the larger studios or the kind of thing that you'd have to go to a quote unquote art house to see, you know, something like the IFC theater here in New yeah. York. Um, something like that, I guess is like, you know, I, and I remember in growing up in the DC area, there was like the theater, uh, the Angelica, um, which was in like Arlington or something. I don't remember. Uh, it was the, in the cemetery. The, <laughs> <laughs> That's what the unknown soldier guy is guarding is the entrance to the Angelica. <laughs> to the Angelica, which I think there's also an Angelica here in New York. Um, man, remember movie theaters? Remember that was a thing I mean, used to do? I mean, it was my everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm devastated daily. Oh, my God. We're taking this in a depressing direction. Um, you know, anything that sort of like would be have, you'd have to go to like, well, we can't go see that at the Regal. Um, although sometimes Regal and AMC step up their game and they and they give those little those little smaller projects a, a nice little boost. Um, yeah. Yeah. I saw so, I think I saw a portrait of a lady at Regal. OK. All right. So, you know, sometimes they get they get their due at the big boys. Um. For me, if we're talking toys, uh, I mean, obviously, I was a big Lego kid. I loved Legos. I had one of those big bins of Legos, you know, just like um, assorted, like un, un, you know, categorized Legos that I would just dump on the floor and like have this mountain of of just materials to work and build with, which was always a, always just a real existential experience, just you mm-hmm. know, a uh, play in its purest form. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also had a strong affinity for stuff like I remember I was big into Street Sharks for a minute, which uh, I love I mean, that show. You, you're never going to get much of an opportunity to talk about Street Sharks, although we could do an entire episode uh, about. Street I, Sharks. I do like. Uh, I, I, what I like about Street. What do you like about Street Sharks the most, Matt? Just tell me, um, just in a byline, like what is just. Like, I guess I I like that they fight. I like that they bite, and I like that they fight <laughs> for everything right. Uh, street sharks yeah Um, i like that they if you see the street sharks show up and you do not lay down your sword you are a bad motherfucker you are ready to die because those sharks could punch you to death they could kick you to death but then they could also just bite you in half that's the missing byline from that theme song I think that the thing that the show never covered, and if I was going to pitch a Street Sharks adaptation, this would be my angle at it. Uh, So I guess this is a backdoor Street Sharks episode. Uh, I would um, address just the pure havoc they wreak on infrastructure because they swim through the streets like a shark. Uh, yes. which is, I mean, requires not only like incredible feats of strength and just such strong teeth that they're able to just like bite through pavement and concrete, but yeah. also just, I mean, the damage that they leave in their wake is is unimaginable. Irreparable. I mean, you're, you're not only going to have to re-pour that street, you're going to have to actually jackhammer and remove probably what, like three cubic meters of, of asphalt in, across I mean, your whole city. It's the equivalent of that uh, that highway in California that just like collapsed, like a big chunk of it just collapsed. And it's like devastating. You know, they're like, we don't even know when yeah. we're going to be able to like fix this. Um, you Did know, it's the equivalent recently? of something like that, but happened, ev- happening every day. Yeah, that happened just a couple weeks ago. 
Oh my God. I mean, I don't know what time is, so don't don't use me as a proper metric for how much time has passed. But I believe it was relatively recently that that happened in California. And it was like a huge highway too. So, you know, imagine that level of disaster happening every day as the street sharks swim through the streets to fight. Uh, there was the big lobster uh, who had like a drill nose or something. Sounds um, right. And then I think a mad scientist was the villain. I, I don't remember much about the villains. Um I yeah. think they were they were friends with a a whale man as well. Um, Sounds about right. It's not important. It's not important. Um, but they were men turned into sharks. Um, Huge buff sharks. sharks. Huge buff sharks. Half shark, half man. All justice. Um, and there was like a hammerhead and a great white, and um, one of them was like a Hawaiian shark or something. Yeah, they had like a and Hawaiian they, shirt on. Yeah, it was very it was very much TMNT inspired. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. My my favorite thing about Street Sharks is that uh, the uh, marketers behind it uh, lost all faith in the concept about halfway through their season, and the show is retooled to be about dinosaurs, <laughs> about dinosaurs fighting each other. What? Um, they do like a backdoor pilot where the Street Sharks team up with some like fighting dinosaurs, and then the dinosaurs just take over the show, and it's just not Street Sharks anymore. Uh, they just like it lost was two seasons, all right? Faith. Yeah, I don't think it lasted very long um, before it transformed into a dinosaur show. Uh, that's the fun fact. And then the other one is that one of um, actor um, Vin Diesel's first roles was uh, serving as the promotional booth at Toy Fair where he demoed the Street Sharks. And he's talking about how cool the Street Sharks are. And there's still you can see the footage online. It's um, it's an incredible watch. Um, the guy. Is it Jeremy? You'd be surprised by the cast of of the Street Sharks. I, this I mean, is you'd a be full on Street Sharks podcast. Now. I mean, that's, it's that's the what this is. There's just one one get that I was shocked with when I looked at the cast, and I was like, "Why do we not give him a harder time for this?" Andrew Rannells, Andy Rannells, Tony Award yeah, winning a, Andrew Rannells was the st- new huge, Street the Street Shark. He had a huge uh, voice voice acting career. He was on Yu Gi Oh. Yeah, and he, he was, was, uh, he was... Mako, Mako Tsunami on Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, he, well, I mean, he, now he's doing, yeah, he's doing uh, Big Mouth now. I actually had an audition to replace him. Who gives a shit? I mean, it's it's not a great show, but uh, he had just uh, left the show, um, and they're like, he, he signed on, he did half of his stuff for the season, we have to replace it, you have to do a voice match. And I was like, why would you leave such a great promising show? And then Big Mouth got announced, and that's the rest is history. Ah, he was also um he did the like live tour of a uh, of a Pokemon the show. Pokemon one yeah he played yeah, he was in is, Team Rocket yeah he was James Team Rocket which uh James. you can watch him talk about his miserable experiences with that um so he's he's pro- he's a prolific gentleman uh that Andrew Reynolds um and uh, uh we we love him dearly anyone who was involved with Yu Gi Oh is a thumbs up from he's me a friend of ours. Um, so that's our, that's our street sharks, street sharks tangent that we have that thoroughly gone on. And then for art house films, uh, I mean, I love me a David Lynch, honestly, um, most yeah. of his filmography is, is great or at least interesting. Um, I, I'm a big fan of, of his work. Um, I'm a big fan of Lars Van Trier, uh, or at least what I've seen of his stuff. So hint, hint, some of this might, uh, factor into my pitch. And 
I love with the Lars that you can sometimes wander it into like a, a film thread and you're like, all of a sudden you wake up the next day, you're like, did I watch three hours of Pornhub? Is that what, <laughs> well, well he why did, was Shia he did LaBeouf do, in it the um, whole time, though? He did do that five-hour-long, yeah, uh, what was Nymphomaniac. that Nymphomaniac, yes. With Shia which, LaBeouf, yeah, it was um, a whole thing. I haven't seen it, but... Uh, what a lengthy film that is, um, yeah. and his, and his, proto- and his like, uh, go-to uh, Charlotte Gainsborough. Um, and... Um, I also, I don't know, it does does Yargos count as Art House? I mean, I feel like his earlier stuff yeah, does. Anthemos, but, yeah, I think everything but, um, up until The Favorite. The Favorite was like such a mainstream hit. Yeah, um, it's like a turning I, point. I love Dogtooth. Um, uh, yeah, Dogtooth is, yeah, that would be a, lobs- a wonderful toy. The Lobster is is probably one of my favorite movies. It's just so weird and wonderful. And and the same with The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Both of those movies are just like A-plus watches. So mm-hmm. weird and wonderful, which is what I want. When somebody says to me, art house film, I want it to be bizarre and strange and off-putting. And Yargos is definitely the king of all of that stuff. So uh, I, think, I think we have a good handle on... Um, on art house and children's toys from our personal histories. This is probably the longest personal history section we've done. I mean, uh, we are toy boys. We are we wouldn't toy be boys. here if we weren't toy boys. Th- through and through, we're toy, boy- toy boys, and that's really going to uh, shine through in these pitches. Speaking of which, I think it's time to transition into everyone's favorite zone. Uh, your second favorite zone after, of course, Nickelodeon's Chalk Zone. I think it's time to transition into the pitch zone. Here we go. You may find me in the lounge. You may find me all alone. But if I'm not around. I'm probably in the zone Cause I'm gonna pitch tonight Gonna pitch it right Chris might put up a fight If we do it right I'm gonna pitch today No matter what they say When that takes us off the rails the pitch he brings today yeah, pitch it. and we're here in the pitch zone where pitches are punched and other things happen also so first up on the pitcher's mound is of course you know him you love them. I, I I wish we could get the rights to that um, Chicago Bulls entrance song because I would put that in under this while I just describe all of Chris Okawa's best features. You know, the one that's like, bum, 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 bum. well, that's not a good impression of it, but you know what it sounds like. The Chicago Bulls entrance song. I didn't even watch basketball and I know what it sounds like. But imagine that is playing under as the lights go down and a spotlight shines at the corner of the arena and, and a banner is brought out with a picture of Chris Okawa's face as he runs through the banner, ripping it in half with his arms held high, ready to come out and reclaim his title as king of the pitch, Mr. Chris Okawa. 
Thank you, distant narrator. Um, yeah, I mean, King of the Pitch. That is that is quite a title, and we'll see we'll see where we land. What's interesting about this prompt is that we're talking about uh, art films, art house films. Um, they unfortunately are less trafficked than blockbuster films, or fortunately, if you're a hipster. Um, but uh, you know, so I'm basically going to have to explain most of these movies before I can explain why the toys are good. Um, so uh, let's jump into it. So um, the film I selected first um, is called Wendy. Um, it's from the creators of The Beasts of the Southern Wild. Um, it's a uh, film that uh, is a reimagining of the Peter Pan myth. Um, we follow a, a young girl um, who um, encounters a, a, a mischievous young boy at her window. Um, she lives uh, above a diner at a train depot. Uh, that's important because she just jumps out the door and rides the train uh, top, rides, runs along the tops of the trains and rides into the night, um, eventually landing uh, or awaking uh, at an island. Um, and her, the young boy introduces her to uh, his uh, similarly, you know, lost children um, crew and they go on adventures and they walk around. Um, uh, let me see here. I'm, I'm tracking with this enough so I don't want to miss anything. Um, okay, excellent. I mean, it has all, I cannot stress enough. Um, it just has all of your favorite characters. Like Buzzo, yeah, he's there. Cudjo Head, for sure. James, I mean, Mother, I mean, it just, the list goes on and on. So it is a crowd pleaser for sure of an art house film. Uh, great for Peter Pan fans. Great to watch Peter Pan friends watch it. And uh, I mean, I, and them try and just sort of like piece it together. Is, um, there, a Captain, <clears throat> is there a Captain Hook in it? Is there like a, uh, yes. a, a uh, so, pirate? Yeah, so there's a moment that happens where there's a young man named James in the group of the Lost Boys children. And he uh, he just doesn't like how everyone's playing. He doesn't like um, them going into the bushes. He doesn't like, they, they encounter, um, they go do this underwater scene with some sort of mermaid like characters. If I recall, um, he just, he's not having a fun time at the play date. He's the kid in the corner, not having a good time at the play date. And, uh, something happens where he gets, um, hurt. His hand, uh, gets like burned or is, uh, Oh, okay. So, Oh, so he, He's losing faith in the island and childish magic, and his right hand has become aged. And although uh, he and Wendy try to hide it, Peter soon notices it, uh, fearing it'll mean that he will age rapidly, um, which is a problem in this film. Uh, they age rapidly when they lose faith in the island and its love and mother, who we'll meet in a moment here. Uh, he asks Peter to cut off his, his hand, uh, and Peter does it with his knife. Shocked and disgusted, Wendy takes James to the outskirts where she finds Buzzo. Uh, and he, Buzzo, takes him to the other side of the island where there's a group of olds. Now, uh, there's a group of olds. Uh, you grow old on this island when you lose faith in Mother, who is uh, this benevolent, sort of like Gaia-like spirit that inhabits this island. She manifests as a large, glowing fish that we encounter, uh, very much like uh, uh, Land Before Time character design on this one. Um, and, uh, she, uh, you know, is very benevolent. Um, of course there's people that want to kill and harvest mother. And then there's the kids that really love mother. It's that dy dynamic. Um, 
And uh, when you lose faith in mother, you grit, you become one of the olds, you live on a different side of the island, um, and you sort of uh, become very piratey, you're sullen and depressed. Uh, their clothing is very like sort of beachy and, and found items. Um, it's very beautifully designed film, um, if not entirely recognizable or, or cogent with the myth. Um, which I think, you know, again, you know, maybe we'll have him uh, as a guest on an adaptation game someday because it is an adaptation. It's just a little bit more abstract. Um, so, I mean, it sounds it sounds like a kind of pitch we would punch. It's definitely a punchable pitch. And uh, so a, a, a group of the kids um, become olds. Uh, a few of the lost boys form a contingency of still children. Um, and then they ultimately have a sh- showdown where uh, James throws a harpoon and kills mother. And he eats a piece of her, I think. Um, and the kids are crying and everyone's sad. And Wendy realizes she needs to leave. And uh, Peter decides that he wants to stay. Uh, but Peter has this unshakable faith. So Peter will always remain young. And he and James, uh, James Hook, for, for, for lack of a better term, um, they sort of, to pass the time, uh, have this imagined rivalry of which they are, are fighting uh, a, a unending battle aboard uh, this ship called the Menana. Um, so uh, that is Wendy. That's the show, or sorry, the film, Wendy. Um, and so my pitchable play set, the volcano of the island is also the heart of uh, magic and adventure. It's where a mother draws all of her, um, you know, power, but you know, you can't kill a volcano. Um, so it's a, it's a play set. Uh, it's a tub play set. Like I said, I grew up loving tub play sets. Um, there's oh, the volcano sets in the tub. You yeah. There's a volcano I mean, that has, um, a suction cup on it. So you can just sort of stick it anywhere on the wall. Mm-hmm, you could be mm-hmm. crazy. You can have a volcano coming out the wall. That's crazy. That's fun. Um, and that's glowing and that has, uh, you know, special batteries in it or whatever. Um, there's a decrepit fishing boat of the Manana, um, complete with the sad pirates inside of Buzzo, Kojo Head, James and all the others, uh, all the other olds. Um, and then you have um, the real star of this um, play set, though, is the mother fish, uh, which is I want to make probably three X size of what she would be in relation to the other pieces. Um, kind of like how they do with kids' toy play sets with like the really treasured element. Like she sure. is glowing. She's a really fun jelly texture. Um, she floats. Um, she makes weird cooing sounds like she does in the movie. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And uh, she actually will uh, glow. Her glow is activated, excuse me, uh, whenever she's uh, over one foot away from the manana. So it's sort of like, you know, indicating the danger of her proximity to Hook and her would-be murderers versus uh, her natural bioluminescent freedom that she shares with the children. Um, so that is uh, the Windy Tub playset. Um, expansions include the train yards, if you really want, complete with disappointed mom who looks longingly out the window. Um, mm. But, you know, that one is delayed until next quarter because we had some trouble uh, you know, achieving the linoleum from China. China's still having, our supply chain is still pretty backed up from COVID. Well, and I imagine you probably had like a prototype that came out of the disappointed bomb, but she didn't look quite disappointed enough. Yeah, and so the, and the lips recalled. weren't painted right. And so it kind of looked like smiling lips, but the carving, the die cut of the lips 
was frowning, and mm-hmm, so it was mm-hmm. actually like a really eerie butterfly effect, and yeah, it kind, just didn't kind of test a well. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Uh, well, that, I mean, that's that sounds like you know the kind of thing you got to get reworked because the dis- disappointed mom really brings the whole set together, in my humble opinion, being someone who has oh. never seen this film nor heard of it before today. Well, my disappointed mom brought my sets together right right back to my toy trunk when I would leave them out at night. So, I mean, it it tracks. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I, I'm loving the sound of this. I love the suction cup. You know, I mean, that's half the fun right there is just sticking that volcano on the wall. Yeah. Uh, I that's love a wacky. set. I love a set that you can play with in the bath. Uh, you know, you got it. You got to get that bath time, play time in. You know, that's that's where you can really bring your boat play sets to life. If you've ever made like a Lego boat and brought it into the bath, it's a it is a transcendent experience. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's that's all great. I'm loving that. I'm loving that this movie is already something that uh, in a way could appeal to a child. So the there's not much of a stretch here yeah. to to bring this into the realm of children. I mean, it's about children playing. If anything, Chris, I feel like you're playing on easy mode right now. That one um, could be very well could be. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm don't get me wrong. I'm loving it. Now, this volcano, does it erupt? Um, I'm open to it glowing and having, um, a coating inside, like a polyurethane coating that can facilitate the classic baking soda thing. Maybe we'll include some color packets for you to do that as a separate experiment. Um, I just, it's challenging cause I want it to be able to hang on the side of, of the wall and stuff beside of the tub. So it's the gravity, you know, the gravity becomes a big issue there as far as like an inborn I uh, guess you can't, element. you can't really have your cake and eat it too when it comes no. to a stick anywhere volcano and a volcano that erupts. That erupts but, using gravity, um, yeah. Uh, all right, so here's here's my here's my pitch tweak for you. Yeah, for uh, sure. You, you take the suction cup, you take it off of the volcano, you put it on the pirate ship, and you have the volcano, you substitute the suction for... Uh, an eruption ability because a volcano that doesn't erupt, my friend, is no volcano at all. It is just a mountain with a big hole in it. Oh, it's an atoll, isn't it? It's an atoll and, that glows. <laughs> and uh, uh, but with the suction cup, you can have the pirate ship be mounted on like the wall, like it's like a flying pirate ship, like I uh, believe Captain Hook's pirate ship is uh, in in some... all of the other ones except for this one. Yeah. I think also you could also pose really, you could structure some fun sword fights between James and Peter. Uh, James, of course, has his classic spear throwing action um, in this, um, which you can interplay with his standard rapier dagger play with with Peter uh, to make for some devastating uh, fight scenes. So, um, yeah, no, I could could go for that. Um, And we could wait the volcano to give it some substantiativeness uh, so it doesn't tip over. Um, maybe we put like a far too specific direction in the commercial where it's like, uh, only suitable for, for, <laughs> only suitable for tubs with three, three square feet in the corner. So we can set the volcano for a volcano <laughs> eruption. If you cannot <laughs> supply this, sp- the proper amount of space, we cannot, endure, we cannot uh, guarantee the proper eruption. 
And um, when we're talking about the commercial here, I want to see in this commercial something that all the old like Batman toy commercials used to do when I was a kid. I want to see a big stack of like barrels or uh-huh. ice cubes or something that you set a hook in front of. Yes. And then you have Peter Pan knock him into the like big cubes yes. or barrels or whatever and kind of have like like oh no as he like falls off a table or whatever. Yes, I love that. I want to knock over a pile of something. That's a that's a given. What if uh, a final punch up to the volcano is what if we had like a little plastic cage or metal cage in there with like a not dry ice, but like some sort of chemical ball, um, you know, non-toxic that you could submerge. And when it submerges, it interacts with the water and it and it creates like a foam or, or like a bubbling sort of uh, maybe like a, maybe put like Something like an Alka-Seltzer equivalent mm-hmm. in there. Um, and I, it, and then it used, you could light it and it, you'd see like lights and bubbling coming from under the water. What is that? I'm interested in that. Uh, if only uh, it needs to be toxic. Uh, we need to save money. <laughs> uh, I don't think this toy is nearly dangerous you enough. You need to not, wear not pants in the tub kind. with this thing if you want to keep your genitals. <laughs> <laughs> it has now reports of, of it causing sterility in both oh, men and, no, and, men and no, women are no, exaggerated. Not in a Peter Pan we extended have, metaphor, no. <laughs> we have no documented evidence that I it does care. Chemically castrate these people. Oh, no. Uh, The tests are still coming in, but at the moment, we're going to continue to keep it on store shelves. Oh, no. All right. Well, that takes the wind out of my proverbial sales. But uh, I'm giving that that one the green light. uh, The more dangerous, the more I'm interested. So green light to the windy, uh, sterility-causing playset. (laughs) Thank you, I guess. I'm the saddened inventor trope. Um, okay, now uh, how about uh, how about you? Uh, you do you want to take a, a whack, or do we want to do two and two? Let's let's go two and two because my two uh, fit together pretty well. So we're just uh, gonna bring the house down. All right, cool. So um, let me give a little synopsis on a uh, uh, portrait of a lady on fire. Um, it came out in no twenty nineteen. Please, yeah. Um, it's just a it's just a basic synopsis. Uh, I'll provide. Uh, it's in France, 1770. Uh, Marianne, a painter, is commissioned to do the wedding portrait of Eloise, a young woman who has just left the convent. Eloise is a reluctant bride to be, and Marianne must paint her without her knowing. She observes her by day to paint her secretly under the guise of being a companion. Um, and she lives on this island. Uh, and she's all by herself because her mother is, I don't know, doing rich people shit somewhere else. And uh, it takes place over the course of, I think, like a couple weeks. Um, and that's important to the toy. So um, what I wanted to focus on with the toy was sort of the uh, voyeurism. Uh, I think kids need more voyeurism uh, sure. than they already enjoy on a daily basis. Um, and, uh, you know, developing a valuable skill like... Um, painting someone in motion. So uh, this is the portrait of a lady on fire. Uh, draw me like one of your other French girls magic sketch- sketchbook. Um, so there's a, a sullen uh, brooding miniature of a woman on a track. They did a lot of Harry Potter toys like this at the day where it's someone on a track that is controlled by a motor beneath. Uh, and there's a little, you know, like a stick that goes up into the figure and they, they drag them around. Um, so there's a brooding miniature of a woman that moves on a little track and uh, you, 
uh, have a softly glowing tablet in front of you, a mal stick, the stick with a cushioned base and a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a rod that you uh, support with your non-painting hand and it serves as a shelf. Um, it's used by oil painters even today, um, but definitely is a, an interesting feature of, of this particular film. It caught my eye. So you have your, uh, your magical sketchbook, which is basically a tablet. Um, you have a, uh, a mal stick and a digital paintbrush. Could be a stylus. I don't really care very much about that. Um, so uh, now this is done in three-day runs. Uh, you have three days to complete the portrait of this this woman who's just like sort of pacing around the interior of of the uh, of the uh, curtained room that you're in, uh, and and so uh, you, you have three days, and every three days the painting gets digitally torn up with sound effects as she mm-hmm. discovers you, and you you've run out of time, or your your contract has come to an end. Um, and uh, that is that is it. Uh, but there is uh, <laughs> okay. there is an alternative. Um, there was an alternative element that I ended up pulling because I, I thought it would be frustrating for kids. They're already trying to paint a moving um, target. Um, they're already you know ennui is just a given. I mean the, you know battery and ennui included with this one. Um, so I was originally going to have it that if uh, your lines, your painting lines, went outside an acceptable realism range, you'd hear the sound of a woman huffing, clopping over to you in her high heels, and rending your painting to, shred- to shreds with tearing animation on your screen. Um, or that you would have to paint her while her back was turned, you know? Um, and then she would turn accusatorily on her track, and you'd have to stop painting, and if any movement was detected on your on your uh, tablet, then it, you'd, you'd get be game over and it get torn up. What do you think? So I, I think you've got something interesting here. This sounds like a, a sort of Don't Wake Daddy style. Yes, it uh, is board, Don't Wake Daddy inspired. Game, yes. Um, which, you know, I actually had a couple of Don't Wake Daddy inspired thoughts uh, that I, I passed that through on my, uh, on, on my own pitch construction. But um, here's my question for you. And here's the question that the average consumer is going to have. Where is the fire i have heard fire oh, okay. not being involved so. <laughs> in here so i think i think what should happen is the fail state here is that if you do not paint this portrait in time the woman catches on fire and melts the place at to smithereens rendering it completely useless and then you have to go buy a new one if you want to try again yeah yeah um i i like that i support it um i, I would definitely sign off on that um I would love my legacy to be a um, <laughs> a child sterilizing volcano toy, and then a <laughs> spontaneously combusting <laughs> lesbian I mean, portraiture game. Look, that is the kind of planned obsolescence that would make Tim Cook <laughs> proud. <laughs> and so, um, I think sound is very important to this. I like the fact that we include a really dummied down, maybe a reclaimed iPad that kids can engage with. They can get that addiction, uh, you know, get rolling earlier. And they're also very importantly learning classical painting with no prior experience. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a it, it's a great game. Uh, it, it, for clarification, a portrait of a lady on fire um, is a meta is a metaphor. She does the corner of her dress does get catch fire at one random point, but that is not what she is. Uh, well, 
Yeah, actually, I don't want to well, ruin the movie for then you. This is this is a note for the filmmakers of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. If they had brought that on this this pitch show, I would have said at no point does the woman catch on fire, and thus you're not delivering the promise of your title, and that's going to uh, upset audiences. Um, but with this toy set, I think the same note applies. You know, you've got to have that fire in, um, and and I think that. You know, teaching kids to paint is great, but some people learn best under pressure. And what best yeah. pressure is there than then the uh, threat of of fire of losing your brand new toy, where you watch a motorized woman pace back and forth <laughs> in a room? A motorized woman really, uh, really brought that into sharp relief, Matt. That really is uh, not an easy sell after that point. After we see it through that light. No, it's 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 um, it's almost like I'm picturing uh my aunt and uncle used to always have these very elaborate um Christmas town displays that they would set up around Christmas time, and there would be like uh there would be like the the skiers in the town the, on like a little ice rink that would that would had a little motor and be like yes it's it's exactly that technology, and, and I'm you could also do it with I'm, magnets I'm that would be yeah. possible too. Yeah, so that's what I'm picturing, um, and I'm thinking this should be three real days. I think the three days you have to paint. No, yeah, be for sure. No, three it's three days real days. In, in, no, in real I want I want. I want children to. I want you to give this to your child. Let them stew for a day. Come back and see them uh, with their trying to steady their uh, very exhausted arm uh, with the mall stick. Um, look, peering through bleary, sleep deprived eyes. Um, and and just like maybe some tears are trickling down the face as they obsess over this uh, elusive uh, automaton woman, and it harkens to uh, as as an allusion to one of my favorite works of art, uh, the Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask, uh, mm. where you similarly had three days to avert destruction. So um, I think that there that's getting it a lot of bonus points in my book. So I love I'm given this. Uh, I'm giving. I gave your uh, sterility-inducing pirate set uh, a thumbs up, and I'm giving your destructive. And and that's the other thing is I think the flame should be rather large um, to really oh. destroy to destroy this whole place. So set. you're it's, thinking like, can you give us an in inches? What you were thinking? I'm thinking it should basically like. Uh, if your three days time the limit place is like reached, 10 inches. the woman will s- like unleash a blood curdling scream. Oh my regardless, god! Regardless, <laughs> regardless of what time it is, if it's like the middle of the night, you're, this seventy-two woman just, hours after you've begun your masterpiece, that scream yeah. is primed. She just <laughs> unleashes. And a blood curdling scream and sort of like, do you remember that scene in Hereditary where, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Gabriel Byrne uh, bursts into flames? Yeah. Uh, it's just like that, uh, where just like a column of fire erupts around this woman as she continues to scream in pain as, as, as her, the plastic melts. And uh, it's got to be a, a destructive enough flame that it brings the whole place out with it. So there could be collateral damage. Mm. Um, oh, that was, is, I was it, expecting that. Like, that's going to the carpet within seconds. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to learn your lesson somehow, right? Uh, you know, they, it could, they, it's got to be big enough to where it could spread to your your easel or your, your digital book or whatever you're oh, painting yeah. on. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really spreading out. And if it takes your whole house down as well, well, then that's on you for not doing your job as a portrait artist. <laughs> Maybe you should have loved to write. 
Yeah, it's teaching you the morals of this movie I haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, so green light, green lights all around. And did you want to throw in a bonus first cow pitch? Because you seem like you had something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so stupid. Okay, I, so first cow. It needs to cause cow. some sort of damage. And you know that's the tweak I'm going to make. All right. Well, all right. One second here. Let me read the first cow synopsis from Google um, as is tradition now on, on uh, Hulu, as well as Portrait of a, a Lady on Fire. Two travelers on the run from a band of vengeful hunters in the 1820s Northwest. That's already a lot. Dream of okay. striking it rich. Uh-oh. But their tenuous plan to make their fortune on the frontier comes to rely on the secret use of a landowner's prized dairy cow. So <clears throat> it's also one of the final film roles of legendary Star Trek actor René Abujouan. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. I think I'm close. Wow, that was a big poll. Have you seen the film? No, I just pulled up its Wikipedia. Very nice. Um, well, uh, previously I did not know that synopsis. I just only knew the you know marketing materials from A24 and all the posters that feature just a, a cow. Um, I thought it was a little bit more of a sentimental tale, but it makes sense that it has that... With a 95 and Rotten Tomatoes, it's got to have some sort of heat to it. My pitch oh, yeah. was um, it's uh, just like a miniature cow that you have free access to between the hours of 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. And you there's a little uh, attached to the feet is a little like plastic standee platform and a little bucket. Uh, and the, the cow has maybe, let's say, 15 white marbles in it that can be uh, squeezed uh, through the uh, the neoprene teats, uh, okay. and uh, if you fill that bucket up, you have to fill that bucket up. Uh, you know, in that allotted two hour frame, it has to go above a little line in that bucket. Um, and uh, you know, the 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 marbles have like an electronic thing in it that can recognize the bucket, so they know that you're not cheating. Um, and you just try and get like streaks. Um, and, and so like, if you can get like a 10 day streak of waking up from one to three and, and milking this cow, uh, to completion in that bucket, uh, you know, you can unlock maybe a, a fun vocal line from the film. Um, but the first night, the first morning, uh, and every morning also there's like a speaker, uh, on the, this unit of this cow, um, and it's like, like, you know, it's like a crow crying. <laughs> so the cow, the cow, uh, cockadoodle-doos like no, a rooster. Well, <laughs> well, the environment the cow is in, but it will be projected a little bit closer to the cow than it normally would because it's a low-profile toy. Um, and, uh, and, and so, and you can't turn that feature off. It's kind of like a Furby. Um, so every morning at like six or four a.m. It depends on what part of the country you're in. As long as how, depends on how far you are from the Pacific Northwest, uh, where your game takes place. Um, <laughs> you, you'll you'll hear a, a, a cock crow every morning, uh, and it, the first morning that the bucket's not full, you'll hear what the what the hell is this? And then you hear like the cocking of like a, a Winchester rifle and two. Uh, two shots in our heroes from this the the film the voice the the actors will voice just like cries of pain as they are they're murdered for their uh, absconding with this treasured cow's milk. So the thing I really like about this pitch and the pitch before it is that they both involve um, just disrupting sleep cycles. 
uh, both this and the yes. blood curdling screams. Of you gotta the be poor committed. Woman. Yeah, I'm not interested in fucking like <laughs> casuals on my fucking games. These are for these are for committed, serious, dour children like myself. Yeah, no, that's the that's the thing I'm on board with. It teaches kids scheduling. Um, it also uh, disrupts their circadian rhythms. <laughs> it teaches and, them uh, disrupting I'm, I'm their on... scheduling. <laughs> And I'm on board with both of those things. I think the timing of the cow should be random, like one night. Oh my it's god! Like six, six a.m. Then the next time it's like five a.m. The next time it's like four thirty. Oh, always, maybe it's, it's indicated by never, the cow being like, mm, like come you never, on over you here. never know, you never know when it's going to happen, but you have to be alert at all times. Yeah. Um, and the one tweak that I would make is just uh, make sure the marbles are small enough to be inserted into the mouth of a child, but large enough to be a, a serious choking hazard. Okay. Um that so that's our uh that's our our deadly dangerous <laughs> element. So it's yeah. it's uh, it's I we're basically these, and, measuring and, and I want them to be flavored too so we kind of encourage oh, them to dog. Um like sweet cream flavored is what we should flavor All right. them. It's it's time to reveal that this entire time I have been working on on behalf of the child killing council. Uh, <laughs> I'm here to just make toys the more dangerous. Who at the CCC in here? This yes, killing with a C. Um, just, just, just for the sake of consistency, we spell killing with a C. It's like Mortal Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, child killing castle. We're just here to make toys more dangerous. Uh, so again, green light. Uh, if it leads to the death of a child or their uh, rhythms being disrupted, then I'm on board. So uh, kudos to that. I think your pitches got progressively more and more dangerous, which I like. Um, which, or uh-huh. I mean, I guess, I guess the the lady on fire is more dangerous than the cow, but the cow is more dangerous in the long term in the way that it just uh, ruins you psychologically. Yeah. So um, both both are effective. Uh, well, thank you for that. Um, now it's it's my turn to step onto the pitcher's mound. Uh, so from the opposite side of the arena, the lights dim again, uh, and then they immediately come back on as I sort of trot out in like an unenthusiastic jog with like a little wave to the audience. And the audience is like, boo. Um, and there's not the, the Chicago Bulls theme anymore. Uh, also, just as a, a fun peek behind the curtain Easter egg, uh, as for the audience, uh, you're getting a lot of ASMR in this episode of of my cats going hog wild on each other just like tearing tearing ass all over this apartment so enjoy the sounds of of the the pitter patter of cat feet that you've been hearing this entire time and it will not stop so for my pitches uh i decided to uh take two art house films which are near and dear maybe not the first one as much as the second um so i decided to uh, base my pitch on um the miniature line of playsets from uh, Mighty Max, which, if you're not familiar, uh, Mighty Max was sort of Polly Pocket for boys, where it would be a playset in the shape of a like monster's head or something similar, and you'd open it up, and there'd be a whole like diorama inside with little mini figurines that you could play with in this uh, little playset. And I just thought they were the coolest things uh-huh. growing up. And um, uh, they, they, there were some imitators as well. I think there was like a Pokemon, Mighty Max, and there was like a Terminator one as well. It was a popular way 
to uh, market toys was you release a toy that is a giant head of one of the characters in your property and then you open it up and there's a playset inside. Uh, very fun. It's unfortunate that that has not uh, stuck around, but mm. I decided to take that method of play and adapt uh, a film that all children will love. Uh, that is, of course, Lars Van Trier's Antichrist. All right. Um, so you open up this piece, and uh, you are met with a sort of three-tiered diorama it's uh, a rather large playset uh tier one we have a, a recreation of the opening scene of the film where we have a black and white apartment where in the shower there is a miniature willem dafoe just plowing his wife holy uh, shit <laughs> Uh, they're both Holy totally God. totally nude and much like the opening of the film you will see full penetration um, from William William De- Willem Dafoe uh, unfortunately in the film it Willem Dafoe had a body double for the penetration moment um, so it was not his uh, erect penis that you see at the beginning of the film but you will be seeing uh, a miniature Willem Dafoe and a mili- miniature Willem Dafoe's erect penis going into a, a miniature Charlotte Gainsborough. All the while, uh, in the other room... Did Charlotte be... Gainsborough have a body double too? I cannot answer that question because I do not know. Wow, okay. Um, I thought you were a fan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Called out on my own podcast. Um, so in the other room, we have uh, we have the child's bedroom where uh, you can guide the young child to walk out of his bedroom window to his own death. Wow. Uh, much, much like the opening of the film Antichrist. Um, so you'll have like a little play, a little a little like figurine of the, of the little boy, and you can sort of walk him up the stairs to the window and then have him plummet to his death while okay. his parents unknowingly uh, just plow into each other in the, um, in the bathroom. Wow. And then- for the second scene depicted in this playset, there's going to be the what I can only describe as the corpse tree, where it's a, a large tree where Willem Dafoe once again uh, plows his wife. Um, is this the after they discovered tree. the kid, or yes, uh, this is after they've discovered. So, uh, for those of you unfamiliar with the plot of the film, uh, a young couple, uh, the their first child walks out a window and dies and uh, uh, in their grief and an attempt to heal they go on a trip to uh, uh, like cabin in the woods where um, the sanity of uh, the wife starts to break down and Willem Dafoe realizes oh god my wife has totally lost her mind and this is not good um, so, uh, at, at one scene in the film, they have sex at the base of a tree and the tree sort of morphs into this like pile of corpses or like writhing bodies or some, some sort of horrific image along those lines. And, um, so that's going to be what's kind of debated here. We have this tree made up of like uh, nude bodies where Willem Dafoe is, is plowing his wife. And just off to the left, we have, um, uh, this is, this is a talking toy. So we have a little fox, a little, a little toy fox that you place in a certain spot. And when you press the button, he uh, he says his catchphrase from the movie where the fox says, uh, chaos reigns. 
um, which is the silliest scene in the in the movie for me, um, but is uh, just uh, you gotta you gotta put it in there for the fans. So you put the fox down on the spot, you press the button, and he goes chaos reigns. Um, and I guess there's maybe like a little lever that you can push back and forth and, and make Willem Dafoe thrust into his uh, wife. Wow. So All of that happens simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, well, the fox is in a different scene, but I figure we got to call back to the fox at some point. Um, and finally, uh, perhaps the most iconic scene in the film, uh, the final segment is the barn where um, – uh, Charlotte Gainsborough has just knocked out um, Willem Dafoe, knocked him unconscious by smashing his penis with a log. And um, wow, she, she didn't then know that pre- was on the menu. <laughs> she then proceeds to masturbate uh, his, his penis until it comes blood. Um, um, okay. So this All is right. that, that's depicted. I just saw Kim walk out of the boardroom. So we. We are shedding, we are shedding boardroom members uh, just by the dozens. So, I'm not sure if you can see that through your haze of this is, uh, uh, delusion that you're pitching this. <laughs> this is, uh, this episode's going to be rated uh, uh, extra explicit. Oh um, my God. So uh, uh, that's that, obviously you got to have that moment in there. So there's going to be like a little like miniature. <laughs> A miniature Willem Dafoe no. passed out, and a miniature Charlotte Gainsborough, who you sort of like press on a lever, and her hand moves up and down on his erect penis until like a little bit of blood splurts out. Um, oh my god! So uh, yeah, that's something that happens in the movie, and you see the entirety of. Uh, and so this whole playset will be housed inside of the log that oh. she uses to smash his penis. Wow. Um, uh, yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, you get you get this fun place that, you know, you get this big log, you open it up and you get to see the three most iconic scenes from the film that you get to reenact, um, two of which well, I guess all three of them include an erect penis. Yeah, uh, I'm just realizing um, now um, <laughs> your delusion cloud is clearing, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first place that uh, you know it really takes this classic art house film and makes it approachable for kids by uh, letting them reenact their favorite scenes oh, from the sorry, film. Sorry, to interrupt. Uh, <laughs> Bob just threw up. Bob just threw up all over himself. See, and my he had sloppy here Joe for lunch. Is to recreate the experience of watching the film, and I think I'm doing that very effectively by having this reaction. Um, so that's so that's place at one uh, in the art house. Karen, um, take your p- hands out of your pants, Karen. This is not sexy. There's nothing about this. Yes, there are sexual acts being conducted, but it is not socially acceptable to find what this deluded man is pitching <laughs> sexu- sexy and arousing. OK, so get you know what? Just you can't do it. Then, then see yourself out. I think it's as a cross-branding kind of opportunity here, I think we should try to cross over with Mighty Max um, and kind of have Mighty Max uh, (laughs) placed into the set. Maybe he's like behind Willem Dafoe and Charlie Gainsborough (laughs) having sex, and he's kind of holding a little lantern like he used to in some of his sets, and he's kind of like, what's going on out here in this crazy place? Maybe his spirit is guiding Dafoe's hand. (laughs) 
not too out of character. Mighty Max has been found in haunted houses and mummies tombs. You know, oh, he's used wow. to being in spooky locations and being okay. like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> wow, Max, so, you are right at home, my friend. So so Mighty Max is in on the fun. Um and you know, then we get some of that brand recognition. So the kids who not only love Lars Van Trier, but they also love But Mighty are also Max. 45 years old <laughs> will really love <laughs> Ages 45 and up. <laughs> so uh, that's great. And then uh, for the second set, um, now the second set comes uh, themed after the classic David Lynch uh, film, his first film, uh, Eraserhead. Uh, another, yeah. Uh, this is uh, one of my favorite films. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the, the, the play set would be Henry Spencer, the lead character. It would be his severed head which um, it ties perfectly into the film. Um, and you open it up and you have uh, several uh, key moments from the film depicted, uh, including you would have uh, the lady in the radiator inside the radiator. And, and it, again, it would be a talking toy and you'd hit the button and she'd sing, uh, in heaven, everything is fine. And then mm. um, the second uh, scene would be um, you'd have the bed, uh, in Henry's apartment um, with uh, Henry making love to the woman across right. the hall. Good. In so a- this is, I was wondering <laughs> where the fucking was in this toy. Uh, so you have him making love <laughs> to the woman across the hall in, in the pool of milk uh, oh. from the movie that they sort of sink into. And and similarly, you could sort of push them down and they would like sink into this, this pool of milk as their lovemaking increases in intensity. And uh, finally, the third scene depicted would be uh, uh, Henry's attempt to murder his own child uh, by having the uh, mutant baby uh, with its its sort of bandages open and its organs exposed and like the pair of scissors sticking out of its heart. Um, and, and with this set, uh, the head of the baby would grow larger and larger, just like in the film, uh, to sort of terrorize and kill Henry it's not entirely clear what happens at the end of that movie um but you know maybe that would be the space where you have Mighty Max in and he's kind of looking at the head as well with his little lantern and he's like I, uh, Henry we were in over our heads this time Henry um or you could have him in the other part where uh, he's having sex with the woman across the hall so that both times Max is kind of peeking in on uh, a woman having sex a uh, man and woman having sex and kind of being like, what is going on here? What is this? Because he's, you know, a child. He doesn't know um, necessarily all the biological functions that go on between consenting adults. Um, so there's there's kind of an opportunity there to, to, to again, bring oh, in that crossover. George Zacopoulos just muttered, I'm not a consenting adult, and he has thrown himself <laughs> through this boardroom window. Which is similar to the baby at the beginning of... of yeah, but um, he... Unfortunately, George threw himself on the office side, so he's now lying in a just pile of broken glass, some of it discolored with his blood, right mm. next to reception. And reception reception hasn't heard any of this, so they're very, very concerned. Now, this is good for canon, too, because we've, we're now establishing that the pitch zone, which originally was conceived as sort of a blank void, is uh, a boardroom. It is, it is in a, this it is particular iteration. I feel like yeah. it can be shifting. It's sort of like a room of requirement. And the yeah, best or, place to picture toys in a mundane office, I feel. A, a holodeck, if you will. Yeah, it is, exactly uh, it, a holodeck. It, cha- it changes to uh, suit the needs of the user. 
So uh, that's great. Um, I love that that we're we're fleshing out the universe of this of this world, like a bionicle, if you will. Um, and so since you since you had a bonus pitch, um, uh, just off the dome, I'll throw in a third set uh, oh, based on lucky Lars, Lars Vanders. Uh, <laughs> what about melancholia? Melancholia. Yeah, give us fucking melancholia, Matt. Give us melancholia, uh, buddy. Now the whole playset, I guess, would be the titular rogue planet melancholia which uh, crashes into Earth, exterminating all life. Um, and when you open it, uh, you you get to see, um, like, you get to see, uh, uh, what's her face, the lead actress in the film. Kirsten uh, Dunst? Kirsten Dunst. You see her uh, having an affair on her own wedding day on the golf course. <laughs> Why? Why? She, she penetrative sexual a, scenes. Sleeps with a man uh, on, on, in, in one of the sand traps uh, on her yes. wedding day. I was hoping the golf cor- course would, would play a role in that. Yeah, yeah, you gotta have that. Another one I think would be, another scene depicted would be um, Kiefer Sutherland's corpse in the uh, in in the in the stables after he commits suicide because he's too scared to face the end of the world and uh, face his family, uh-huh. uh, and then the final one I guess could be um, Charlotte Gainsborough, uh, Kirsten Dunst, and the little boy all uh, sitting in the tent together as yeah, they counting await down the 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 inev- their inevitable deaths as yeah. the planet collides with Earth, uh, killing everybody. Um, Boy, his movies are kind of a bummer, huh? When you like really stop and think about them. Yeah, you could say that. You could say that. Um, and then I guess Mighty Max. Mighty Max should be the one discovering uh, the corpse of Kiefer Sutherland with his little lantern. Like, hey, what happened to Kiefer what? Sutherland? I thought he was the designated survivor. <laughs> Why is he always? <laughs> well, no, the callback to designated survivor. <laughs> oh, oh man, what a, what a what a series! Uh, so uh, those are my those are my sets. Those are my art house uh, Mighty Max uh, crossover sets. So what do we? Th- I turn it over to the board. Uh, what do we think? I guess the surviving members of the board. Yeah, um, there's two of us here. It's just me, Chris, and also uh, there's this really uh, really eager gent who's usually an intern, but I mean by proxy has been promoted. Um, hey, uh, this is Dylan from Disrepute. Um, hey, I, Dylan, con- congrats on your promotion. Thanks, man. You know, I've seen him come, I've seen him go, and in your case, I've seen him come blood. So I really am a big <laughs> fan of your games and your toys. Um, I will say we, we, you definitely have a style, lots of scenes, lots of coitus. Not a bad thing. It's just I think we may have a subdivision of our toy company dedicated to such images and 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 types of games. Uh, I had a question uh, logistically, the log, does the log sit flat? How do you how do you play with the set if it's a round log? Like what do you have planned there? Uh, I mean, it's more of like a lumpy log uh, to where it can it can lay uh, um, I guess uh, what would that be uh, horizontally and uh, you sort of open it up. And you you see all these scenes inside, so it does lay side. So it, it's it's not totally round. Um, it's like flat enough on the bottom to where you can like set it on the ground. So that's not going to be an issue. The kids are going to have are going to have no trouble accessing these images that they'll never be able to unsee. And uh, secondly, I got real excited for the sex parts. Personally, really happy to see <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, that's what a disrepute saw a lot of talent in me. So. <laughs> I guess that's why I'm here today. Um, 
I had a question as far as the dialogue for these very complex human uh, engagements, uh, be it a shower sex, be it mourning the, the loss of a child, be it uh-huh. um, the mutilation and then, you know, perverse pleasuring of an unconscious uh, penis. Um, are the children expected to provide the dialogue or are there like prompt cards included or like how can we really flesh out this play? Uh, I mean, well, so the, there's already a voice box built in for the talking fox um, and for the other for the other sets. So I think um, we can include, you know, classic clips uh, from the movie. There's not a ton of dialogue in the movie Antichrist. Um, so there's not. You don't uh, say. There's not a ton of uh, classic lines they can recall, but, uh, you know, it's more sort of just a, a series of images of, of Willem Dafoe and his wife being very sad. Um, but they can sort of, uh, you know, they can they can sort of act that out of like of like, look out, Willem Dafoe, Charlotte Gainsborough is going to smash your penis with a log and then mutilate herself with a pair of scissors. Uh, oh, so wow, you, you left out that part. I didn't well, see the I film. I thought that that was perhaps too gruesome yeah, for I'm the only, I was only born in 2005, bro, so I mostly just watch YouTube and TikTok, but um, I'll take okay. your word so for it. So you're 16. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. That's why I'm an intern. But anyways... Um, it's uh, it's actually uh, it's work. It's a work release from uh, from juvenile detention. But I I didn't oh, reveal God. that information to HR. Chris, so, Chris uh, we really got to do a better background check on these guys. Yeah, we it's disrepute. You know, we 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 moved the we we kicked the can down the street a little bit. Sure. Uh, so um, lastly, the third in your triptych. I learned that in English class last week. Mm-hmm. Um, the triptych, the third in your triptych, your third scene. Um, when he when he comes to blood. Is it coming uh-huh. liquid blood? Is it like a fun little rotating rod like at Disneyland and then goes back in there? Like, how are we getting reusability of I this? Think the, I think the rotating rod is the best way of, <laughs> of going about it. Yeah, so. that's my favorite part of the Little Mermaid ride, which I love going on because I'm a kid. So um, I would love to see that shout you're a teenager. You're you're 16. You're you're not you're not a kid anymore, my friend. You're, you're oh a junior and a junior, or perhaps sophomore in high school. Oh wow! Do you do you really mean that, Mister? I'm afraid you, your innocence is gone, my friend. You, uh, it's time to face are you up to me adult, that? adulthood. I'm a big man, huh? I'm a, a big adult Absolutely. man. Yeah, wow. I mean, in some in some places, uh, you can drive a car. Maybe I don't know. I I, I don't know. Well, um, 16 is, 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 is Dylan up. seems to have sort of just like he's crying. He's he's uh, sort of escorted himself out of the boardroom. Uh, he's he's in search muttering of, that uh, Lost Boys song to himself as as he walks out about, yeah. uh, you know, the childhood being gone. Yeah, he's um, and, and I mean, and, and Carol's on the ground rolling back and forth singing Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of music going on in this room at the moment. It's a real pleasure to be here. Sure. I'm sure. certainly happy. That just leaves me. Um, you know, all our nutty characters are gone. So uh, we have two. So I, I think that we've fairly uh, addressed um, the Antichrist toy. I will give it a green light under the condition that we sell it <laughs> at Spencer's Gifts and yeah, Hot Topic. I was going to say Spencer's Gifts is my number one retailer for this. <laughs> Spencer's uh, Gifts and Hot Topic are the two. Over. Honestly, yeah. my phone has been blowing up with Spencer's Gifts. Oh, for they, sure. They, Spencer, they want their hands on this. Spencer and Dylan are actually friends. Spencer's only 19 years old. Did you know that? 
Wow, I had no idea. So he started that store when he was like one. Yeah, it was his parents' trust fund to him, actually. It used to be run by his dad, Tom, who's a friend. We go golfing on the weekends. But anyways, uh, so Spencer, yeah, Spencer and Dylan are friends. They are of like minds. So like Dylan's enthusiasm, just tri- comport that over to your success, your inevitable success has been Spencer. So let's do an exclusivity deal there. Let's roll, trot that out. That sounds good. Love that, love that. Um, let's see here. We'll do, I don't know, banner ads on Pornhub or something. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so I, what I mean, is... <laughs> the, the, the penis, the penis extension pill guys, they've got that locked down. Like, I don't think we can. Yeah, it's an expensive that buy. Space. That's true. That's true. Maybe we'll have to you've set it sell for Zamzar or YTMP3.com. You, you download <laughs> YouTube videos. <laughs> Those the other accredited oh, publications. Yeah. No, I, we got, I think we're going to, we, you know, there's an untapped market for people that are looking to download YouTube videos or one of those websites that rips audio from YouTube videos. Oh, hell yes. Like those guys, those are untapped markets. Those are and our those, people. Those, those banner ads, you know, some of those places have still got the like punch the idiot banner ad with uh, the boxing glove <laughs> and George W. Bush. <laughs> Oh no, I got taken back. I'm getting sucked back. I'm getting sucked back to the turn of the century. Newgrounds.com circa 2006. E-bombs world. Yeah, all of these are going to be your people from from your sensibilities. These are the guys that are going to want to get in on this on the ground floor. Honestly, Matt, I I can remember Melancholia and I can remember the first one. I literally was just so appalled. I don't even think that I, I think I was lost. I was hung up on the corpse tree after the first one. So I kind of was just in like a thousand yard stare during the second one. What was that movie again? Oh, it was Eraserhead. Eraserhead. So what I think. The, some, well, somehow the tamest of the three. Yeah. What I think is attractive about Eraserhead is that. Uh, you can. I think you should be able to provide your own milk or milk alternatives. So the kids provide the milk. That'll save us money on the front end, um, especially shipping. Um, let's see here. Razorhead. Are are we are we are we just really sold on the murdering of the of the baby at the end? You gotta have that one. I mean, it's the most iconic part of a razor head. You know, the, 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 him stabbing the baby and the baby's head growing super large. Like, that is. Can we, can we do it crucial. partially obscured from view? Is that of option? Is that of interest? No, that's not of interest. Oh. Uh, we need to see it. It's, it's, it's shown in the movie. So we got to show it. Um, we got to show it here. Uh, I mean, I guess. I, I forgot about Lars Van Trier's most recent film, The House That Jack Built, where um, Matt Dillon is a serial killer. Um, and I guess we could also work in some stuff there. I'm sure there's ample material uh, of him murdering um, the people that he murders in that movie. You know what? That's not I, I changed my mind, uh, even though The House That Jack Built would be I mean, it's the place that there writes itself. Right. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't. It's a I don't playful film. I don't think there's. I don't think anyone comes blood in it. Um, yeah. So. so it's not good. It's not good enough for you, is it? Um, yeah. I, I could do. I mean, if we don't, if if we could do a thirty and up on the on the uh, the baby killing one, and and still sell it via the same chain. I could give that a, a green light. You want small 30. children? You want small children doing this? I mean, the the prompt was toy, and toys reads kids, and kids love Mighty Max. So I mean, if 
If we could include Max in two of the panels, I'll give it a green light. If we can, <laughs> okay, the kids if, need if, an ally in what this if, story. Um, what if Mighty Max is also present for the blood coming, and there's also like a mummy there that he's fighting? Uh, it's not accurate to the to the <laughs> film. In the back corner, you just have a child <laughs> contending with an undead creature. You just um, have like you just have uh, and, Mighty Max kind of holding his lantern up and revealing an open sarcophagus with a mummy coming out of it. Kind of like, oh no, I'm really in for it this time what if for the sex scene of eraser head mm-hmm. the until the milk is included this the parts of going in to each other you know the butt going up and down of of the man i assume happens in that scene well uh, no, they're not they're not fully uh they're they're sort of like sitting across from each other and like embracing each other in that moment uh, it's it's not really a position that i'm Super familiar, familiar with. with, but yeah. uh, that they're sort of sinking. Um, they're sinking in that way where they're sort of like intertwined, um, kind of like both vertical and, wow. and and sinking down into the into the milk. All right. Well, that makes my uh, the world will never know what I was about to suggest. So yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I mean, I was um, loving the images you were having there. Well, Henry's it was it was basically I f- I felt that it would give it an appropriate degree of distance between the player and the set. If it looked very mechanical and fake until you obscured the moving parts with the milk. Um, I got to say, just as a, as, a, as a note for all of this, um, this has been truly the most like perverted uh, bacchanalial uh, episode that we've done, which is startling since we've referenced 120 days to Sodom multiple times in past episodes. And it hasn't come up once in this episode. And we've managed to uh, be on about par with uh, uh, the, the sorts of things depicted in that book. So uh, kudos to us for just creating the, perhaps the most disgusting podcast ever recorded and kudos to you for not shutting it off. Uh, long before now, perhaps at the sterility-causing volcano that was yeah. the moment you, you jump ship. Um, but if you're still here with us, uh, uh, kudos to you. You get a you get a gold star. Um, I I'm sensing a green light. I'm I'm feeling like this is all green lights uh, all around for my. Um, I'll green Spencer's light it, but I'm not signing my name on the on the paperwork. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's our standard clause. Um, these are all going to be released anonymously. Chris, what what were the commonalities of these pitches? Yeah, you ruined all of them. <laughs> uh, I think we need to leave the discussion right there. I don't think anything more needs to be said. Uh, that was a beautiful and perfect moment. If there's ever a highlight reel, um, that's gonna be the 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 final clip in the highlight reel. <laughs> it'll it'll be the ad <laughs> in the spring. Oh my god! Uh, that's I. I don't think any moment has ever better summed up the this entire show than that exchange. <laughs> uh, so thank you for that. That was a treat. And Chris, I will give you the honor of bestowing a new item to our uh, adaptation lounge, which may I remind you, after last week, is now a death trap where we are constantly assaulted by a oh, giant by metal the rolling ball. ball. Shit. And that that ball has also crushed most of the other items in the adaptation lounge at this point. Oh, so we're almost no. we're Millennium almost puzzle. starting over. We're almost starting over from scratch at this point. You know what? I think we should put 
a a mid-sized uh, uh, plastic sculpture of a cow with a uh, ribbon on it that says first. And if you want, okay. you can you can milk it. These balls uh, that come out of these these neoprene udders will be proportionally about the size of of pool pool balls. Okay. Um, it doesn't. We've turned off the the rooster crying. I guess um, we but have e- enough disturbances already in the yeah, location lab. There's enough noise going on in there, <laughs> and every time uh, the one of the balls, or, which are supposed to represent milk, fall into the padded bucket below, you hear one like a little like uh, a big like glob yeah. of some liquid. It's, it's it's odd that you uh, 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 <laughs> translating the process of milking into 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 balls, um, but uh, also. Um, we should probably just say that, that cow's probably not going to last too long. I mean, the next time that metal ball gets released, uh, it, yeah. it, it could very well be pulverized. Like, yeah, it's like getting most into of the, the woods. things, including our kitchen cabinets. Oh. Um, the only thing that seems to have sur- survived is the is the Snuggie, the, the Swiffer Snuggie, just because it's stuck to the ball now. And so it's just oh, kind of like rolling. Yeah. That's not a good Rolling with it. But it is um, kind of cleaning every fifth foot. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It, it is in in a way, in a very roundabout way, getting some some cleaning done, which is good. And in fact, in the distance, I can hear uh, some clattering. It sounds like the ball is 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 going through again. So, um, so that's great. Um, well, uh, thank you uh, for joining me and and indulging me, Chris. Perhaps this week more than ever. Um, and it just indulging in, <laughs> I was the destructive <laughs> pinball of this podcast. What has happened to you this week, my boy? <laughs> um, I, if this is, I quarantine has gone on too long and I need to be saved. Uh, I need purpose in my life. Uh, otherwise I slowly drip into madness like the rest of us. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, keep, keep, keep listening. I hope this didn't turn you away forever. And, uh, bye.